Now this morning, would you take out your message outline and, and also your Bible? We're going to be finishing Ephesians chapter 3 today. I want to talk a little bit right now about stress. It, it would cause a stress in our life, and you'll see it at the top of the outline, this picture. Let's go ahead and show the picture up there. We're, we're here, here's what causes stress in our life. We have an expectation, and then the reality of life, though, doesn't meet our expectation. You see, you have a lot of stress in your life when your reality has a big gap with your expectation level. And so many of us deal with that. I mean, if you get up in the morning and you just go out to the garage to crank your car and your car's battery is dead and it won't crank, that adds a little stress to your life because you just sort of have an expectation that every morning it's going to crank. That's the way it's supposed to do. And when that doesn't happen, it adds some stress. If this morning you got ready for church and, you know, you were getting the family ready and you went out to the car, you know, to go to church and you expected your family to follow you to the car and get in the car with you and you got there and you sat 10 minutes and they weren't there yet. Anybody have a little stress in their life over that? Anybody experience that this morning? Okay. It's, it's when your expectation and your reality doesn't quite match. That might be true of your work life. Maybe you were convinced to take this job. You were, you were sold on these expectations, but you got to the job and the reality is not what you thought it would be. Or, or maybe in your marriage, you had this incredible expectation of what marriage should be like. Our culture says you're going to meet this one person that's going to meet every single need physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually in your life. And then the reality is nobody could do that. And it adds stress in your life. And guys, here's our challenge is, how, where do we find the power to make that gap smaller? That's what we're talking about this morning. Where is the power to make the gap smaller? Now, let's be honest. As long as we live on a fallen world, we, we will never completely obliterate that gap. There will always be some kind of gap because this place is just not a perfect place. But the Paul believes we can lower that gap, especially if we understand what the expectation should be. Now, let's talk about the expectation Paul's going to have in the passions we're studying today. His expectation is that we live full lives, full, of the full, full in the fullness of God. And what Paul wants for us is he wants our lives to be so full and so fulfilled that we have purpose and meaning in our life. But the problem is our reality. I ask you today, when you look at that scripture, is that your reality? Do you wake up in the morning joyful about what's going to happen that day? Do you live that day on a mission for God that fills you? And when you lay your head on your pillow, do you have a sense of satisfaction that my day has been full? You see, for too many of us, even as Christians, I think, the gap between the biblical expectation for my life and the, the true reality of my life is really big, and it's very disappointing. And so what happens is we start trying to seek something to fill our lives. We, we feel stuck, some of us. I mean, you know, maybe your marriage didn't work out. Maybe your work's not what it ought to be. And on top of that, and more important than that, your relationship with God doesn't seem to be what it ought to be. And you're not living in the power that God has promised you and the fullness that God wants you to have. And so you start searching for something 
You're stuck. I think about my, my grandson, Taze. He's a year and a half, and he's just getting old enough to get in trouble and be put in the timeout chair because he likes to throw things all the time. And Laura's telling me the other day, she sticks him in the timeout chair, and of course she has to stay hovering over him to make sure he stays in it. And he begins to seek someone to rescue him. So first he starts saying, Mommy, Mommy. And she's holding him in the chair, so that doesn't work. Then he starts yelling, Daddy, Daddy. And he sits there on the couch. And then he starts yelling, Bo, Bo, that's the dog. And the dog doesn't come. And, and, and finally, you know, she's keeping him there, and he throws his hands up in the symbol they've taught him. All done, all done, all done. I mean, he's just seeking any way to get out of that stuck situation. I think that's a pretty good picture of many of us. We're in a position, we know it's not the way it's supposed to be, but we feel stuck. And so we seek all kinds of different ways to be fulfilled. My friends, that's when we get vulnerable to sin. We're most vulnerable to sin in our life when we're not full of God. We're least vulnerable when God has filled my life. I don't want anything else. I'm full. I'm not hungry. I mean, let, let, let's, let's illustrate this this way. Let's say after this message today, you say, you come by the door and say, buddy, this was, <laughs> this was an incredible message. And I really, I'd like to take you and your family out to eat. Hint, all right? People used to do that for preachers. I mean, I'd, I'd like to take you guys out to eat. And, and I go, well, sure, man. After next service, let's meet in the lobby and let's go. And you say, let's go, buddy. We, I just really want to bless you today. I'm going to take you to Outback. You know they're open on Sundays now, don't you? Okay, I want to take you to Outback. And, and uh, I, I want you to get, you know, one of those blooming onions because I know you love those. And uh, you can order the biggest steak you want and big potato loaded and dessert. We're just... I just I just want to bless you guys and go, thank you. And, and we go and then you bring me back to our car here at the building and get out of the car and someone else says, buddy, that was a great sermon today. You see, I need a little affirmation today. That was a great sermon today. Could I take you to Pizza Hut? They've got an all-you-can-eat pizza. And I go, no, no, I love pizza and I love Pizza Hut, but I am so full. You can't tempt me with that. And guys, that's the way we are. When we get full of God and Satan lures us with even something that in an empty time would even be appealing to us, when we're full, we don't want it. And so that's why the prayer we're going to study from the Apostle Paul today in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, is so important because Paul believes the power is found in prayer. If you read the book of Ephesians, where, where Paul is saying, this is everything God wants for you. Do you recognize this? Almost half this book is a prayer. We read a prayer a few weeks ago in which he prayed for us to be enlightened to everything God wants for us. And then we're going to read this prayer today where God says, I want you to be empowered to experience it. And so let's look at Ephesians 3. Let's start in verse 14. Incredible prayer. You see, let, listen, let me say this. If you want to learn how to pray, pray with other people. You, you learn how to pray by praying with people who have a great prayer life. You know that person, don't you? That talks to God like they're their best friend. That's bold with God. That's comfortable with God. Their words may not be fancy, but they're just simply flow because they're in relationship. You want to learn how to pray. Paul's one of those guys. We want to learn what we ought to pray for today. Listen to Paul. Verse 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth 
derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you will be rooted and established in love, that you'll have the power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge. And that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer. Let me give you three things we should learn to pray for from this prayer. Number one, we need to pray for inner strength. We need to pray for inner strength. Uh, let me put this prayer in, in our words of a prayer. I'm going to give you three, three prayer languages for you to use this week. I pray, God, that your glorious, unlimited resources will empower me and strengthen me through the Spirit. You see, Paul knows that what we need is we need inner strength to face this life. And he knows the key to that is the Holy Spirit. I think two of the the great chapters of all the Bible, especially the combination of them, is Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the inner battle he's having. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I'm a wretched, sinful man. You ever feel that way? God, I want to serve you, but I follow my face. I don't want to do this, but I go back and do it anyway. Paul says, I feel so powerless and so helpless. That's Romans chapter 7. The apostle Paul can relate to you. But don't finish with Romans chapter 7. Couple that with Romans chapter 8, where Paul says, here's the deal though. I know now that I'm not condemned in God, and I've received the Holy Spirit. And I can say no to those sinful impulses within me. You you see, what Paul says is, yes, I have this inner struggle, but yes, there is a power, and that power is the Holy Spirit. And my friends, I want to encourage you and I today that we begin to ask for that inner strength through the Holy Spirit. Too many of us have grown up with almost no view or little view of the Holy Spirit. Some of us are even scared of the Holy Spirit because we think the Holy Spirit might lead us to do some freaky things. Let me, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit will do is He will strengthen your inside man. He will change you from the inside out. My, my favorite definition of the work of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit's work in your life is the same as the Holy Spirit's work in the Virgin Mary's life. What was his work in the Virgin Mary's life? His work was to form Christ in her. What is the Holy Spirit going to do when you call upon him? He is going to form Christ in you. Now, understand this. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But the Bible encourages us here to ask for it. Paul says to people who already have the Holy Spirit, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But let me say this to you. The Holy Spirit, just like God the Father, just like God the Son, is not a bully. He's not going to come and do things that you don't invite him to do in your life. He is there in your life, but you need to ask for him to work. Jesus said in Luke 11 verse 13, you know, dads give good gifts to their children, but here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give the best gift. The father would like to give the best gift to his children. What is the best gift, Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God in you. 
God empowering you. I challenge you to stretch yourself. I, let me ask you this. Let me ask me this because I don't like my answer to this question. How often do I spend time in prayer asking for the power of the Holy Spirit? Asking to be strengthened by Him. Paul says when you do that, things begin to change. Number two, he says here's what you ought to ask for. You ought to ask for the indwelling Christ. And here's how we're going to word this prayer. I pray that Christ will be, listen to these words, more and more at home in my heart as I trust him. The words here literally are for Jesus to settle down in my heart and feel at home. Here's an old booklet, you might call it, by a man named Robert Munger called My Heart Christ home. And he visualizes Jesus living in the home of your heart. And he goes from room to room, changing, cleaning up. He goes to the library, which represents your mind, and he begins to change your thoughts. All those negative thoughts of self doubt, all those lustful thoughts, he begins to clean that out. He goes to the dining room where your appetites are, the greed, the desire for fame, the desire for recognition, the desire for power. And he begins to change your desires and your appetites. And, and then he goes from there, you know, to the living room, you know, where you fellowship with people and you interact with people. And he begins to change your relationships. He goes out to the back of your yard, you know, where you've got your tool shed and you make things and the toys of life are there. And he begins to change those things to things that desire him. And finally, God goes and Jesus walks into your closet and he exposes your innermost sins and he forgives you and he brings light on them and they begin to change. Let me ask you this. Are you at home? Are, are you comfortable with Jesus being that at home in your heart? That you invite him to every crevice, every motive, every inner thought, everything you've hidden in the closet and say, Jesus, I'm just asking you to come in and have your way. You see, Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, I want you to abide in me. Literally, I want you to to live in me. But he also says, I want to live in you. I want to abide in you. And then Jesus makes a statement that we need to pay very close attention to. Apart from me, you can do, you know the word? Nothing. You believe that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I sort of think I could do something. But Jesus says, nothing. And that's why, guys, we're not going to be full until we invite Jesus to have his way. Again, Jesus is not a bully either. He says you ask for it. Ask that Christ would be at home in your heart. Invite him in. Give him permission to go in every corner of the house of your heart and change things. And then number three, I love. 
He wants you to to understand this inexplainable love. Here's the prayer. May I experience the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand. You know, this passage is pretty fascinating because Paul literally gives an oxymoron. He said, I want you to love, I want you to know the love that's unknowable, that's beyond knowing. What's he saying? This love is so big. What's he say? It is so deep. It is so high. It is so wide. It is so long. You, you, can't, you can't absorb it. He says, I, I want you to grab hold of it. You, you may be just in a corner over here grabbing hold of this corner or grabbing hold of this. This love is so in, un, unexhaustible that, that I want you to grasp this love. I want you to know it. He said, listen to me, friends. Paul does not have any doubt whatsoever that God loves you. But he does doubt that you believe it. You got that? No doubt in in Paul's mind that God loves you. He's proven that on the cross, friends. I mean, he's proven his love beyond a doubt. But how many of us live life not really Knowing it. Doubting it. That's what we need to be praying for. We need to be praying about this inexplainable love. Now, let me ask you to think just for a moment with me. In fact, if, if you do this, not making you feel uncomfortable, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just close your eyes. I'm going to close mine. And I want you to think back in your life at a moment when someone loved you unconditionally. It may have been your mom, may have been your dad, may have been your wife, your husband, your best friend. But there was someone who showed you grace and mercy and love that to this day you still remember that moment. You remember the moment. You remember the words they expressed. You remember the hug they gave. You remember feeling, you know what? I've never had anybody love me like this. Now open your eyes. Open your eyes to this truth. The truth is, nobody on this earth loves you as much as God does. And and, and Paul wants you to experience that. Now, would you notice something with me about this prayer? When we're talking about being full, everything Paul prays about and challenges us to pray about, it's all an inside job. Paul's not actually praying about circumstances or money or health or good job. He's saying, if you want to be full, it's not dependent on the circumstances around you. See, here's what I'm waiting on too often. I'm waiting on my circumstances to get right before I can be completely full. Paul says, buddy, you got it wrong. You'll be full, not because of what happens around you, but because of what God does inside you. You got it? Think about who's writing this. Paul's imprisoned. He's suffering. 
He's chained to a Roman soldier. His fate of whether life or death is in the air. And yet he can write and say, here are the inside things that sustain me and that will sustain you. It doesn't, guys, if you're waiting to be full on everything lining up around you the way you want it, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. Because we live in a fallen, messed up world where it never lines up completely. But if you can believe that God would sustain you on the inside, then it all begins to change. And it's not going to be based on your circumstances. Some of us want a full life, but we want it when I meet the right person, when I retire, when I've got enough money for this, when I can get the new house, when my health gets better. What? Paul says, you, you, erase that from your vocabulary. You don't have to wait till when. You can have it right now. Now, how in the world is that possible, Paul? Read the last part of this chapter, verses 19 through 21, verses 20 and 21. Now to him, that's God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all eternity and forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Why can these things be true if we ask for them? Because... There is an immeasurable power. Listen, did you hear the the, the verse there? Paul is falling over himself, coming up with descriptive terms to try to describe how powerful God is. He almost runs out of modifiers. I mean, just show this on the screen for me just a second. Here's Here's how this prayer adds. Now to him that is, and then go to the next line. Able to do. God's able. That's powerful. Listen to the next line. Able to do all. That's a pretty strong line. Go to the next line. Able to do above all. That's still not enough for Paul. Abundantly above all. And that's not enough for Paul. Finally, he runs out of words. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine. Why can this be true in our lives today that we can be full on the inside because we have an immeasurable power? It's not a lack of power on God's part. It is a lack of us believing and asking. I feel like so often I'm like the man in Mark chapter 9 who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus and the disciples hadn't been able to do something about it. And Jesus says, you know, I'd like to intervene here. And and the the man says, well, if if you can heal my son, I'd really appreciate it. And Jesus exclaims almost in frustration, if I can? You've got to be kidding me if I can. Of course I can. And we come to Jesus and say, you know, we want life to be full. We don't want to just make it through life from day to day. We don't want to be miserable until heaven. What, what we want is fullness. And we say, Lord, if it may be possibly, hopefully, you might do something about this, that'd be cool. And, and God says, no, 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 no. It's not an if you can. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you ask. Not just anything you ask, anything you can imagine. I've got that kind of power. Now, here's what I want to say to you about today's message. This message should change our prayer life. If if you're not even taking notes, please take that outline home with you. Circle those three prayers and start praying them. 
Start praying for inner strength through the Spirit. God, I want everything you want for me through your Holy Spirit. Give it to me. Change me from the inside out. Lord, make my heart a home for Jesus. I give him full permission to go in the crevices of my heart, the dark places, the places I've forgotten about, and to change me, to live in me. And Lord, help me to experience love from God that not even the best love I've ever had on this earth could touch. That's so great it's unexplainable. What would happen if we started praying those prayers? Well, here's what Paul says would happen. There would be glory in the church. Why? Because God would start doing something among us that is unexplainable without his power. I've not really focused on these verses while we've been studying through the book of Ephesians. But Paul has a high view of the church. In the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul says the church is the body of Christ. It's the fullness of God on this earth. In the next chapter, he says it's in the church where the wisdom of God is made known to the principalities in the heavens. You know what he's saying there? This is so cool is that when the church is what it ought to be, even the angels and the demons stand up and notice. They go, this, I mean, people don't act this way. People don't love each other this way. People aren't patient this way with each other. People don't forgive this way. And when it happens, my friends, he says, even the angels notice. And then he says in the study we're studying today, he says, when the church is what it ought to be, living with this inner power, then God is glorified. Listen to me, guys. We we all know this when we experience it. The church is either the most judgmental place on the earth or the most loving. It is the most selfish or the most generous. The church is either the most divided place or the most united. It is the most depressing or the most inspiring. It is the worst or it is the best. We've experienced it. I have, you have. And some of us give up on it. But Paul says, my friends, guys, when you start praying for an inside change, then the church becomes such a glorious place that Jesus still lives on this earth. The angels and the demons notice it. And God is glorified. So, I want to ask you this morning, are you full? Seriously. Are you full? How are you living today? Full? Or empty. I mean, you come here today and you just get honest with yourself just, just for a few moments. I'm asking you, how full are you? Some, some of us, if we'd be really honest, we'd say that the cup is empty. Okay? I mean, we're just making it. If circumstances aren't good and circumstances determine our inside, and so we're, we're just making it. And, and, and when you're empty like this, like I said earlier, you are so vulnerable to sin, you're vulnerable to negativity, you're vulnerable for Satan to walk into your mind because there's nothing there and the void's not going to stay there. Some of you may say, well, buddy, I'm, I'm a little bit better than that, man. I, I mean, let me get... I'm about, I'm about a quarter full right now. I'm not, there's some good things. It's not terrible. And somebody said, man, it's better than that, man. But I, I, if I had to say it, it's about, it's about half and half. I'm half full. Okay. 
Because understand, when, when you're just half full, your environment still has room to move in and to dominate. And, and guys, when we're half full Christians, that's when the world has a bigger impact on us than we have on the world. And here's, here's the hope you get the point of the lesson. God wants to fill you. God wants to fill you to the brim. He wants you to be so full that when Satan throws that temptation in front of you, look at that porn, or to lie about something, or to be unkind to your spouse or your mate or your child, or just be greedy and not generous. You're not tempted, you're full. You don't have to have things and circumstances to make your life better. You're full. In fact, with this passage really is teaching is that God is so good and so powerful that you're not just going to be full, you're going to be full to the overflowing. It's just going to overflow out of your life. The love of God, the power of God, it's uncontainable. Oh, you can put it in you, but it's going to flow out. And here's the cool thing. When you're not empty and you're full and overflowing, what happens is we affect our environment more than our environment affects us. And not only do we experience the love of Christ, but the people around us experience the love of Christ. Now let me remind you, there's only one able to fill you. The famous quotation is, you've got a God-shaped void in your heart that only God can fill. Now many of us are scurrying around and we're asking for mommy and daddy and Bo and this and that and everything we can trying to fill it up and it's just not working. And we might temporarily, you know, get a high, temporarily have a good or right relationship, or temp- but, but it, it's not long-lasting. And today, I want you to acknowledge, guys, it's not what's going on around you that really counts. Oh, we pray about those things. Yeah, we should pray about those things. But here's the problem with my prayer life. That's what I spend the majority of my time praying about, is my circumstances. And the people I love, their circumstances. What I need to do is change my prayer life, or at least add to my prayer life, and start praying for the inner power of the Holy Spirit, start praying for that incredible home that God makes in my heart, start praying that I will know that inexpressible love of Christ. And God would just fill me so full that even like Paul, in bad circumstances, I'm okay. I'm more than okay. I'm full. I'm full. Now understand, the key is to ask. And that's what we're going to do in just a moment, is to ask God to fill us. And if this morning, your cup's empty or half empty, it's not full, and you want us to pray for you before you get out of here, all you got to do is come to this front row, write something down, or just tell me, and we will pray so that you leave here overflowing, not because you walk back out there and your job's changed, or your marriage is automatically better, but because God has filled you. If you need that kind of feeling, and we could pray about it today, why don't you come right now? while we stand and sing.